How many times in your life have you been told that you are so strong? You lose your job during a pandemic and cobble together freelance work to make ends meet. You are so strong. You lose a loved one to an illness and plan the funeral. You are so strong. You're a busy working mom of three kids juggling work and life with little time to care for yourself. You are so strong. You're battling cancer, going through chemo, spending your days vomiting, losing your hair and losing the ability to recognize yourself in the mirror. And yet, and yet you are so strong. Where would you take your life if you knew you could not fail? I get it. As a stepmom, mom, and entrepreneur, sometimes it can feel like what everyone else expects of you versus what you dream about for yourself are on opposite ends of the spectrum. As a woman, you're taught from a very young age what society thinks you're worth based on how you look, how you behave, and how much money you're allowed to bring in. But I'm here to show you that you can be the woman who has it all and not just on the outside. I'm Brittany Lynch, and you are the queen of your castle. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of the Queen of Your Castle podcast. I'm your host, Brittany Lynch, and I am so darn excited to be talking to this beautiful, amazing, authentic woman here today. On the show, we've got Ashley Barnardi, and she has one heck of a story and even better than one heck of a story is one heck of a set of tools to help you listener to get through this crazy wild thing that we call life. Ashley, thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, Brittany, thank you. It's such a pleasure to be here. Why don't you go ahead and let us know? I mean, you'll do a way better job of explaining who you are than I will. So why don't you let us know, like, who are you? Where are you from? What do you love to do? What makes Ashley Bernardi tick? And uh, yeah, who, who are you? I love this. Okay. Thank you. I'm so excited to share. Um, I think I'll start with who I am now is very different than who I was six years ago before a health crisis, like flipped me over the head, but, um, who I am now, um, as a mom, wife, you know, spiritual seeker, yogi runner, author, entrepreneur, um, I like to call myself a connection activist. Like that's, I feel like my spiritual calling these days. Um, and even, and somewhat a healer, because I feel like by sharing my voice and my story, um, my hope is that I, I help others or maybe open up the door to think about, um, ways that we can heal our own lives, because I've learned, um, through my own crisis that healing does start within. Um, I used to think it was an outside job that one doctor was going to, to heal me. And what I learned was that's not true at all. So I can get into how I got there, but that's who I am today. And I love just connecting with people like you. I love self-development. I'm a huge self-development, spiritual junkie, journaler, writer, um, nature lover, gardener, that's who I am today, which is, if you had asked me this question six years ago, I would have told you something completely different. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And isn't that the way that it goes is, you know, I, I haven't met anyone yet, you know, in, on this path, in this like spiritual seeking kind of light working mission who hasn't fallen into a deep, dark hole before yeah. getting to this other side. So I know you've got all of the, all of the peace, love and good vibes to spread with us a little bit later on. But before we get there, if you are willing to, let's yeah. talk about this black hole that you fell into that led you 
now to be this person. Yeah, no, I, I'd love to talk about it because that's just such an integral part of my story. And my black hole lasted for almost 33 years of my life. Well, actually, I would say 20 something years. So um, to tell my full story, I have to bring you back to my childhood, which is when I was 11 years old. And I was raised by two loving parents, had a, have a little sister, uh, two years younger than me. I was a military um, kid. So I was born in Germany and, you know, lived in California and ended up in DC because my dad worked at the Pentagon. And um, when I was 11 years old, my life changed forever. Um, there was a, it was a Sunday night and my family and I had just finished watching a movie together. The four of us, I went to tuck my dad into bed because he was tired that night. And I told him I loved him and he said, I love you too, honey. And those were the last words that we ever said to each other. And um, minutes later, um, as my mom was tucking me in, we heard my dad moaning from the other room and my mom ran in and just started screaming. And um, he was actively having a heart attack and dying. And my sister who was nine at the time and my mother tag teamed CPR on him while I uh, ran to call 911 and then ran to get the neighbors for help. And, um, and then after that, to be honest, it was like, and I write this in my, my new book that I kind I just blacked out. This is what happens often. If anyone has experienced trauma, um, I blacked out. I don't know what happens next. And the next thing I do remember is that I was in this beautiful pink room in a hospital waiting for my mom and dad, not thinking anything would be wrong. And, um, and just my mom showed up into the hospital room and said, your dad's gone to heaven. And, and it was that changed that moment. I will never forget that. I still have cheers, chills. That moment changed my life forever. Um, but now that, you know, my dad was an army colonel and I was raised to, to, to as if, I was so strong. So after he died, I felt like I needed to be strong for my family, for my sister. So I put on this mask of strength and I did not want to deal with the fact that not only my dad had died, I had watched him die in front of me and I buried that trauma deep within me. I did have grief therapists. Um, my mom tried to get, you know, the best grief therapist possible to help me. And I just didn't want the help. It was like, it was almost, it was just too traumatic for a little 11 year old to deal with. And I also want to say that my mom and sister, all three of us dealt with this trauma in very, very different ways. So my way to deal with it was burying it and thinking that I need, and I am most like my dad. So thinking that I needed to be strong and have that mask of strength, which I wore for a very, very long time. And um, what I learned is that when you bury your feelings, your grief, your trauma, it comes out in other ways. And for me, it came out in lack of boundaries and people pleasing and very destructive relationships with men in a work addiction in a destructive relationship with alcohol. I mean, it just for many, many years, what is interesting, I think about my story is that um, on the outside, I looked like I was fine. I was actually an Oscar winning actress. It looked to, to, to I, I look back at it. And I'm like, damn, I was a good actor because in high school, you know, I had all the friends. I was captain of the dance team, secretary of my class. I've always been a leader. And then in college, I went on and was president of my sorority, editor of the newspaper, winning all these awards. And after college, I got a job as a journalist. And, and, and on the outside, even to my closest friends, it looked like I was okay. But truly, 
I was dying inside. I was just numbing out and burying my trauma any way I can could through work. And I was a producer at CBS news. And the ironic part of that is that I covered horrible, horrible tragedies. I covered the Virginia tech massacre. I've covered missing children. I've covered missing parents and death, destruction, hurricanes, you name it. It was like, I would, I was obsessed with covering other people's tragedies in any effort to avoid my own. And it wasn't until I was in my early thirties when another trauma hit me over the head. And this, and at this time, at this time in my life, I was married. I had two little babies. I had quit my job and started a business and things seemed to be going okay. And at that point, like, you know, 20 something years later, I had gotten really damn good at acting. And I will never forget. I had a mystery, a mystery illness just come up out of nowhere. It felt like I had the flu every single day. Um, and I tried all the things to help fix it. You know, like the paleo diet, different herbs, different doctors, nobody could figure it out. Some people thought it was fibromyalgia. Some people thought it was chronic fatigue. I can't tell you how many times I was written off by doctors telling me that it was just stress and anxiety as a mom. That's a whole another story for another day. And then when I got pregnant with my third child, these symptoms just like went quiet and it went away. And what I learned is that when you have a sort of autoimmune disease or any sort of disease, oftentimes pregnancy can quiet the immune system. That's exactly what happened in my case. It went away. I thought it was like, oh, okay, I'm fine. I feel good again. I had a, I had a pretty healthy, normal pregnancy. And then the day I delivered my third child, I will never forget November 23rd, 2015, um, my symptoms that I was experiencing came back tenfold. And like the moment she left my body, my immune system was like, red alert, red alert. Something is really seriously wrong. And like, I was vomiting. I had a fever. I, I lost control of my bowels. And like, even they, I sent, I was sent home in this condition and no one could figure out what was wrong with me. I lost so much weight. I was having panic attacks. I was in and out of the hospital with people trying to figure it out. Multiple, I, I, I have seen over 30 doctors at that point. Nobody could figure it out. On top of that, I was also diagnosed with postpartum depression and put in a part-time mental health hospitalization program where it wasn't um, overnight, but for eight hours every day, I would go in and then come home and go in and come home. And I did this for weeks to learn coping techniques to help with my PPD and also anxiety and also this health crisis that no one could figure out. And just to give you an example of some of the physical symptoms that I had, um, I felt like I was going to faint daily. I lost control of my bowels. I lost my vision. I had vertigo daily. I was, um, I had, I was bedridden. I had, my stomach wasn't functioning. I had chronic migraines every day. Um, my body went numb. My, my face went numb. My arms went numb. I was just in constant debilitating pain. And, um, I finally went to one more doctor at the encouragement of my mother-in-law, because at this point, like the kids, like my husband had to take my kids to the, um, to his parents. Cause I couldn't even function. And I was finally like a doctor out of 30 doctors that I'm truly, this is a whole nother story about the medical industry and how they treat women. Um, because at this appointment, my husband came with me and I found that when, when Mike came with me, I was listened to a little bit more, um, 
that um, the doctor did listen to me this time and looked me in the eyes after just hearing my story for 45 minutes, my stack of paperwork, because I was a journalist and I had already self-diagnosed myself. I knew what I had, but no one was listening. And this, this doctor looked at me and was like, you have Lyme disease and I'm going to treat you at this point. It's chronic. Like I had encephalitis in my brain. Like I was dying. And, um, she said, I'm going to treat you and I'm going to treat you first with a oral antibiotic. And if that works, you are so like far off the deep end, you're going to need a pick line, which is an IV antibiotic to your heart. And sure enough, it, it started working. And so, um, I had a procedure to get a pick line installed. I, we moved in with my in-laws because I had three kids and a baby and I could, with a pick line, if anyone's ever had one, you can't lift anything heavier than like 15 pounds, which includes a baby in a car seat. So I had to move in with my in-laws and that pick line was in me for eight weeks. And, um, the, the healing was so slow, but here's what I'm going to say. The physical healing did not, was not the first thing to happen. I will never forget when I hit that rock bottom moment where I was so sick and I, I just surrendered because I like, I like, it was after another hospital visit that, um, I was sent home again with no answers. And I tried to get up out of bed and I was so dizzy. I just like collapsed on the floor. It was on my family room floor. I just cried out to God. I was like, seriously, God, take me now. If you're not going to take me, like I surrender to you this is out of my control now. And it's when I did that, when I surrendered is when I realized that this was so much more of a spiritual journey than it was a physical journey for me. And when I surrendered, what happened was like the most, um, I would say like magical thing, but I started feeling feelings that I had buried my entire life since my father died. Like I started feeling the grief, like I'm having chills, like even telling you this, like the grief from my loss of my dad and that traumatic experience, I started feeling all over again. And it was, if my body had nowhere else to bury the feelings after 20 years, and it just started coming out and it just came out in sobs and in screams and in cries and in like weeks and weeks and months and months. And it was like, I was purging by moving through all of my trauma in my life. And like, you know, and in, in, in addition to the, the trauma of my health crisis too. And when I started moving through those feelings and moving through my trauma and allowing my, giving myself permission to feel them, that's when the physical healing also started happening simultaneously. So that, I I think I'll stop there because (laughs) there's a lot more I could say. And I just, that, but that really was my very deep journey of discovering that in order to heal myself, my soul, my physical body, I needed to give myself permission to feel all the feelings, the messy feelings, the uncomfortable feelings in the same way that we allow ourselves to feel joy and wonder and excitement. And that's where my healing journey began. Thanks for sharing all of that. There was like so many times I just wanted to crawl through the screen and hug you because it's, you know, that's just... I think the part that resonated with me so much was this, this like facade, this front of like being so strong. Right. And, and 
keeping it together on the outside, but inside you feeling like you're dying throughout all of this until you can't anymore, right? Like that, that mask can only be worn for so long. That facade can only go on for so long. And I wanted to, you know, I, I know we're going to get into starting to talk about um, your book that you, that you ended up writing following this trauma and then the healing journey. And I just want to read a couple of sentences just right from chapter one. Um, you, the title of the chapter is you don't have to be strong. And this is just a couple of sentences reader or listeners will make sure to link this book up in the show notes for you. So you can take a peek if you feel called to, but I had goosebumps reading this because I feel like it resonates with so many people, so many women, so many stepmoms, right? So many mothers, so many just people. This is just a, this is just this common thread that is kind of woven in into all of us is this thought that we've got to be strong and what strength looks like. And so, you know, these are, these are the few sentences that from, from chapter one, how many times in your life have you been told that you are so strong? You lose your job during a pandemic and cobble together freelance work to make ends meet. You are so strong. You lose a loved one to an illness and plan the funeral. You are so strong. You're a busy working mom of three kids, juggling work and life with little time to care for yourself. You are so strong. You're battling cancer, going through chemo, spending your days vomiting, losing your hair and losing the ability to recognize yourself in the mirror. And yet, and yet you are so strong. I, I mean, it's like, I've, I'm, I'm like teary. I'm, I feel teary reading that because it's like we as a society are too afraid to look into what is actually happening beneath that strength right yeah and and it sounds like you know that was kind of part of of what was happening in your journey is you were too afraid to look at what was happening underneath that strength until it couldn't be avoided anymore until your body was literally shutting down because it had to come out of you because it was all stuffed inside. So, um, let's, uh, let's round the corner. Cause it sounds like, it sounds like this is kind of getting to the point in your story where you were like, something's got to change. This grief is coming out. My body can't hold this anymore. I can't pretend to be strong anymore. What even is strong, right? Why is it strong to be dying inside? <laughs> so, 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 so help me understand, you know, what, what changed yeah. to get you to where you are now? Oh my gosh, so much. And I, I just want to say, I love that you called out that part. Not so like, you don't have to be strong. Um, that actually not so strong was the original title of the book too, because I felt so strongly that my rally cry to readers was like, you don't have to be strong. Um, But uh, under the layer of not needing to be strong is that we all have this authentic power within us. And, And that's why the title of the book is Authentic Power. And the subtitle is Give Yourself Permission to Feel. Because what I learned was that when I got quiet and still, and I got quiet and still because I had no choice, like my body physically shut down, that's when I started listening within to my inner knowing. And my inner knowing was like, Ashley, you've got to deal with your father's death. You have to, you need to feel it. You need to allow yourself to grieve his loss. You need to feel that you miss him. You are not a robot. And like, 
once I started listening to that wisdom that I already had within me, and it's when I peeled away those layers of strength, that was where I found my power and how I got there was allowing myself to feel. So that's why the subtitle of the book is give yourself permission to feel because I did not give myself permission to feel. And I feel that in society, we aren't, we are taught that you don't need to really feel those messy feelings. That's like too weird and uncomfortable to, to do that. And when I say that, I'm not saying like, oh, you need to wallow in your depression. This is completely different. This is when you are feeling sad or uncomfortable, or even if you're depressed, get curious about it. Ask yourself, why am I feeling this? So, so to answer your question, like there were many, many healing modalities that helped me get to where I am today. So I'm first going to say this. Um, there is not a one size approach to healing that works for everyone. What worked for me is not going to work for Brittany is not going to work for your listeners. Um, and there's also, this is what I used to think when I was in my early stages of my illness, that one doctor was going to save me, that I was going to find that 30th doctor. Who's going to be my advocate and give me the right medical elixir and vitamin and IV to change me. And that is not true at all. It's up to you. It was up to me to change me. And I learned that the very, very, very hard way. So that's the first thing I want to say. But I also want to say this, what helped heal me were so many different modalities that I pulled from, but I learned in a very slow way. Like my healing journey is still going on, but like to truly physically feel better, it took me a year start to finish. So that first started with, um, and I have something in my book called the feel framework. And this was where I taught myself. I, when I gave myself permission to feel, I started moving through the emotions and the process of feeling. And so, and, and actually like, I actually came up with the, uh, with the feel framework once the pandemic hit, because I found very familiar feelings of grief bubbling up again. I lost a friend to COVID. Uh, we were grieving the loss of education for our children. And I was like, oh shit, I've been here before, but I actually, I know what to do now. This is why I wrote the book. And so I was like, first I'm going to focus. Like, what is this emotion that I'm feeling? And perhaps one day it was grief or one day it was sadness or like, I'll never forget. Just there was one day where I, I, I sat on my yoga mat and I allowed myself to like, try to identify that focus on that feeling. And it was definitely sadness. And I say like for anyone else that wants to go through this framework, like focus on that feeling. And sometimes you can't identify that feeling and that's also okay. It could just be this like uncomfortable thing, way you might feel in your stomach. It just something just it's there. So acknowledge it, focus on it. So next, and this is what nobody does is enter. You're going to enter within that emotion. And this can look like different ways. You could be doing this in a walking meditation. You could be getting quiet and still in your bed, on your yoga mat, on a pillow outside of nature, whatever you want to do. However, it works for you. For me, it's often on my yoga mat or in nature. And then the next is to experience that emotion. So get quiet and still and allow that emotion to come up. Like if you're feeling sadness, cry. And, and maybe it's laughter. I mean, sadness can come out in ways. It doesn't always need to be crying. Sometimes sadness means laughter. Sometimes it means punching a pillow. Sometimes it means nothing and just sitting there, but allowing yourself to physically feel it, emotionally feel it and spiritually feel it because these emotions are 
all here for a reason. They're indicators that we need to be paying attention to something. And they're saying, move, they're, they're, it's almost like they're crying for us to like be moved through in the same way that we move through joy and elation and, and happy experiences. We need to be moving through these emotions too. And then the last part of the feel framework is listen, learn, and love that emotion back. I am a full believer that these emotions are here with, for us for a reason. So like moving through my father's grief and trauma, I listened to that. And I was reminded like what a beautiful relationship I had with my dad. Not everyone gets to have a beautiful relationship with their dad. But knowing I only had 11 years with him, but that it was an incredible 11 years made me so grateful to even be experiencing that, that grief because it meant there was love there. And then the last is love that emotion back. Like I'm getting like even choked up telling you this because I'm just, I, I feel so much gratitude for, for even the 11 years that I had in my dad's life. So that's the feel framework. So focus, enter, experience, listen, learn, and love. And it truly spells feel. And when I figured this out, I was like, oh my God, it was so divinely orchestrated. Like it really didn't come from me. It came from a lot of prayer and, and meditation and, and a divine calling. But that was one of the first things that I taught myself is just to like, it's okay to cry. It's okay to move through these things. And I also want to say this, like this was the slowest process. Like when I first started getting still, um, or even like having the awareness to get still, I could only do it for 30 seconds. Like I was like a news journalist, like go, go, go get her. I couldn't even get still for five minutes. And many people that I talk to now, they're like, oh my God, how can you meditate for like 30 minutes, an hour at a time? Like I didn't start there. I literally start, I would set a timer for 10 seconds. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to close my eyes for 10 seconds. So like, that was the first thing is like getting still getting quiet. So that opened up the door to me for meditation. And like, I used to be a runner and a dancer when I physically couldn't move my body, I would do meditation or yoga or starting with walks. And then I learned that I love walking in nature. So that was something that um, like blew up to me too. Something else that happened was that I found a spiritual community. I had a spiritual mentor. She taught me about writing and she called, and her name is Leanne Taylor. She wrote the book, the fragile face of God, which is an incredible book. And I learned how to do sacred writing, which is essentially like writing without thinking. You're just like asking yourself a question or spirit or, you know, whoever you want to ask the question to and just free write. And so then I started writing pages and pages and pages of journals and writing. And I have journals everywhere now stacked like all over my house of all of my sacred writings. But I found that there's so much power in journaling, especially for me. And then I've also learned about like just coping through these hard times and that um, I developed coping sheets of, and, and wrote down things that, that did bring me joy, like music and dance and lighting candles and taking baths. Um, I also learned about the power of breath work, which we all forget that like breathing is so, so simple, yet we forget to do it. So like I used to breathe like <sighs> all day long, everything was in crisis mode. I was constantly in fight or flight, especially when I was a news journalist and especially when I was going through my health crisis. But now my breath is so slow. Like I will, I will, I have so much awareness of, of the power of taking 10 deep breaths, or even like if listeners are listening, like one deep breath, inhale for two counts and then exhale for two counts, like that in and of itself makes a difference. And I'll say this, if you can commit to even just 90 seconds of moving through these emotions, 
and moving through your breath, science says that it will change the way that you're feeling. Like it's, it's that powerful. So I learned about breath work. And then I also learned, I'm like, I can keep going. I'll do like one more, then I'll stop myself. Um, I learned about the power of like processing our emotions through a hard, uh, a stress hard toolkit and a stress soft toolkit. So in my book, I felt that it was so important that I share the wisdom of so many healers that helped me along my, my journey to heal because, um, while it was me that healed myself, I was mentored by so many incredible people that I had met along the way. And so I had reached out to them, like I'm writing this book. I want to include your wisdom. So I was introduced to, um, Dr. Jamie Hope, who is an ER physician in Detroit. And we were talking about, um, about just stress, stress in general and the fight or flight system. Like we're all going through so much stress, especially through a pandemic. And she taught me about the hard stress, hard, how to stress hard and stress soft. And I learned so many cool things through her. So there's this one technique that she taught me called dish therapy. Have you ever heard of it? Okay. It's where I have like old dishes right here. You take, you take a stack of old dishes or, or get like some old dishes from the thrift store. You get a trash can, you go outside, you wear some goggles, you make sure you tell your neighbors and your family, like I'm doing my dish therapy and you throw dishes and break it in the trash can. And I haven't tried it, but Dr. Hope says it's the most satisfying thing you will ever do. And that's just a way to stress hard. And she says you do this because it's primal. Like we are meant to sometimes physically remove our emotions, not through Hitting, but doing it in a safe way. And something else that she'll recommend is a damn it doll where you literally can buy a damn it doll on Amazon and like hit it against a pillow. For me, I love just like hitting pillows um, or punching pillows. And then if you want to stress soft, you can find other ways to do this, like moving through your breath work, moving through meditation, using, reaching out to your community. So there's just many different ways. So like in my book, I, I have recommendations for a hard stress toolkit and a soft stress toolkit. So when you are in these stressful situations, you can help move through your emotions in real time, which is what I'm encouraging people to do. So I'll stop there. There's a lot more, but, um, like I'll stop myself right there. That sounds, I've never heard of, of, uh, I've never heard it called dish therapy specifically, but I wish I could remember the name of this place, but there is a place close to where I live, where they have, what sounds like this, but you can, you go as like a client, you can go there and you can like choose to smash a TV or you yeah. can smash dishes or you can like chop up some furniture, like whatever. It, essentially you just go and break shit right at yes. this, at this place. And so it sounds a, a lot like that. Very, um, very similar. Very similar. I know. And I never would have thought about d- doing it with dishes. I'm super clumsy. So I'd probably stab myself in the eye, but <laughs> even, with, even with goggles, but it does sound so satisfying. And it's like, you know, sometimes there's a reason that when people get mad, they slam doors, right? There's a, yes. there's, there's a primal like need to get that yes. anger out and make some noise and do something aggressive. And again, like you said, not hitting people, but we've been, we've been conditioned to kind of ignore these urges. Right. And it's like not good to slam doors and it's not good to make noise and it's not good to break shit. So, so, but I love this as an alternative to, you know, still, still hearing that request from your body to smash something, but doing it in a way that's not harmful and controlled. 
as controlled yeah. as controlled as breaking a TV could be. Yeah. Well, and you know, if, for anyone who's like, oh God, that dish therapy seems like a lot. I can tell you what else is so, so satisfying. An alternative to the dish therapy, if that seems like a lot for you, um, one of the most satisfying things that I have ever done um, is uh, I did a meditation through uh, an online program. And at the end of the meditation, you are allowed to scream they, they invite you to scream as loud as you possibly can. So if you're going to do this again, like give your family a heads up, like warn them, but it is the most satisfying thing. I felt like I was walking on clouds for the next several days. It was so freeing. And like going back to that is how we're supposed to primarily release emotions um, in, in many different ways. And I would say for your listeners, like experiment, get curious about like what works for you. Because like I said, what works for me, probably is not going to work for you. It's not a one size fits all approach. Screaming alone is not how I got to where I am today. It was many different things. So, you know, it's, it's through uh, a hard and soft stress toolkit. It's, it was through breath work and through meditation and through my feel framework. Um, and it really all starts with again, authentic power, getting quiet, listening to that wisdom that you have within and then trust taking a step to trust that wisdom. And once you start, once I started to do that, my whole life transformed, like truly in, in, in a very gentle, loving, long way. There's no such thing as an overnight transformation in my eyes, especially when you're on a healing journey. I'm still on that journey today. I'm still learning about myself every single day. But now that I, I, I own, I access, and I trust my own authentic power. I give myself permission to feel all the feelings every day. I can show up as my truest, fullest self to you, to my colleagues, to my family, to everyone. I love that. You you had mentioned something a little bit earlier too about how you, you work one of, again, these many layers to the healing journey was that you leaned into a community that you really connected yeah. with a spiritual community. I was wondering if you could, if you could just chat quickly about, about the importance of community for you, um, yeah. as you move through this. So I love that you asked this question because it's one of the most important aspects of my healing is, and I even have a book, I think it's chapter, I have a chapter in my book dedicated to it. I think it's chapter seven, but it's connecting through healing. And what I found was that, um, I first tried to go on my healing journey by myself without anyone. And it, and it's very similar to when you are going through, let's say that you're in recovery for alcohol or drug addiction. Like they, that's why they have AA it's a community. Right. And I found that by sharing my story with my trusted loved ones and telling them that I was struggling, once I opened up and got really honest about Hey, you know, that mask of strength that I've been wearing for the last 25 years. Well, it's fake. And I, I just feel like shit. And it was a lie the whole time. Like once I got honest about that, I was met with so much love and compassion. And, um, it was just really beautiful being truthful with people, um, that I never expected I could be truthful with. And because I had never been truthful with period. And once I got real, 
my relationships formed in a much deeper, stronger, more beautiful way. And that includes my relationship with my husband, my children, my family, my extended family, my friends. And um, I have many different communities now. And I remember when I was in my like very beginning, early stages, I had joined my church choir. Like I had never, I mean, I did chorus in high school, but I felt very called to sing. And I just created this community of not, I didn't create it, but like I joined this community of people who shared their love for singing. And for me, singing was a great way for me to get out of my head and out of my body when I was in so much pain and just like sing. And it was so beautiful. And I also want to say this, that, that some communities, you might find that they're not a right fit for you. Like I'll never forget. I joined a Lyme disease support group and I didn't feel like it was a good fit for me. I felt like that, and this is, this is no critique to anyone in the group, but I felt like it was a victim mindset group. I felt that I was in a group that didn't really want to transform or seek healing. And I, and so I left the group and in my book, I say like, you can try things out. And if it's a community that that's not a good fit for you, you don't have to stay in it. And, and so I have, by doing that, like by popping in and out and experimenting with different communities, I've really learned to find my own community that I just love and adore. And like, even through my, the work with my book, like I've started different communities, like in January, I did a authentically powered January community where I brought together people who wanted to set intentions for the new year. Um, so, and, and like I said, in the beginning of this interview, I really am a, an, uh, just a connection activist because I have learned so much about the power of connection to heal, uh, and just, um, removing that mask of strength and getting real with everyone. Like I even say in my book, like I, the question, like, how are you doing is so inauthentic because like, really, like, do you mean, how are you doing? Like when you ask someone, like, how are you? We always say like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. It's like the social construct when really like most people that we ask that question to are not probably not fine. And so when you can find those communities where you're like, I am not fine. That's when like the healing and transformation happens. Sure. And arguably most of the people asking the question, how are you don't want to, or don't have the space to hear how you're actually doing. I don't want to hear It's a formality. Yeah. It's like an introduction yeah. rather than, than an authentic yeah. way to connect with people. So like enough. And if you're like, okay, well then actually what way do I connect with people? I would say like, maybe you ask someone like, how's your heart doing today? I mean, that's a question that I ask myself too. Like, how's my heart doing today? Or like, I'll ask a friend, like, Hey friend, how's your heart doing today? Like, how are you showing up in the world? You know, like asking just deeper questions. And this is something else that like, I went through a, a life coaching, life designer training program through my mentor, Julie Riesler. And we learned about the power of asking powerful questions. Like, so going beyond the, like, how are you? And really learning to ask yourself and in turn others, those like deeper questions to just meet each other on a deeper, more connected level. So I've been learning a lot about the power of powerful questions, both to yourself, asking to yourself and to others. And it really is transformational. Mm -hmm. I think probably most of my clients who are listening right now would, would argue with you that <laughs> that question asking there, the, it's funny because often as a coach, I don't answer. I 
just answer questions with questions and it's super I love that too. super frustrating for for I love you guys who are listening gals it's super frustrating because because you just want to know the answer right it's like I just want someone to tell me what to do I just need some help to get out of this out of this situation I don't want somebody to ask me a question right but that's where like you said that's where the real transformation yeah. begins that's, that's where the real the real work happens is in asking yep. yourself the question and trying yes. to find out the answer for you because yes. none of this is a one size fits all. What answer that I would give is, is because that's what would work for my life, not for your life, not, yes. not for anybody else's life. So it's so it's, true. And in coaching, they teach that like, you know, like I am not a consultant or a therapist and I'm not trying to fix you. I am your guide. And, and what I've learned is that like, we are a client or, you know, a coaching client, you already have the wisdom within you. You just need those, you need someone to ask you those powerful questions and get it out of you. And I've learned that like, even like, cause I've gone through coaching too. Um, and it is so powerful to hear, like when someone asks you a question and to hear yourself say it, you're like, Oh shit. Aha moments. Like just to hear yourself answer a question. So much changes. For sure. Ashley, is there anything else that you want to share with us? Um, we'll make sure to link your book up, Authentic Power. Give yourself permission to feel. We're going to link that up in the show notes. So listeners, if you want to take uh, take a boo at that and check it out and dive into Ashley's feel framework and read more about her story, we'll, we'll be sure to link all of that up. I'll be sure to link all of your social media handles up as well. But is there anything else that, that you would like to share with our amazing folks who are tuning in today. Oh, I love, thank you for asking. And thank you again for having me. I think just the one thing I'm just going to go with what intuitively hits me is, um, you know, for anyone who is struggling, um, whether you've gone through a loss or just, just anything, um, where relationship wise, it could be anything. One affirmation that has helped me the most is just the reminder that this moment and this feeling is temporary. And I never knew that when I was going through my trauma. And that's the reason why I didn't give myself permission to feel it because I felt like the feeling of trauma and grief was going to last forever. And an affir- a powerful affirmation for me is that this moment and this feeling is temporary. So if you can affirm that with yourself and then take it a step further to trust that feeling and give yourself permission to feel it, that's where healing can happen. So um, I'll share that. And then you can find more information out about me and my book by visiting my website at Ashley, A-S-H-L-E-Y, Bernardi, B-E-R-N-A-R-D-I.com. Thank you so much, Ashley. It's been absolutely amazing talking to you. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you so much for writing this book and helping so many people. I think arguably probably every single person on this planet has experienced trauma in some capacity and having the tools or the the menu of tools essentially. And that there are so many and there's so many permutations and combinations of the ways you can combine these modalities to make your own healing journey, your own healing journey and get to the other side of that, of that big black hole. So thank you for the work that you do. Thank you for coming on to the show and having a chat with us today. And uh, yeah, it's been great. Oh, Brittany, thank you so much. And uh, really excited and grateful that you spent time with me today. I hope this episode got your wheels turning and showed you just how powerful you are. I would invite you to take 30 seconds and tap subscribe to this podcast. When you subscribe to the podcast, then rest assured you will never miss an episode. 
and in no time, spinning your wheels will be a thing of the past. Thank you for listening and subscribing. And if you enjoyed this episode, it would mean the absolute world to me if after you subscribed, you jumped on over and left me a five-star review and better yet, a written review. I am on a mission to let every mom and stepmom know that you can create the life of your dreams. And I need your help to change the world. The world needs us. Thank you so much for subscribing and leaving me a five-star review. I will see you next week. For more behind-the-scenes action and to get really up close and personal with me and our beautiful step family, jump on over to Instagram and follow me at the step queen. Don't be shy. Send me a DM. Tag me in your posts. Tag me in your stories. Let me know what you're up to and what about the podcast has been blowing your mind. I cannot wait to get to know you better and Instagram is my jam. I love you so much. I love you so much. Make it rain, girlfriend.